0: How do I explain the RIA model to clients? That is today's question on the Transition to RIA question and answer series. It is episode number 79. Hi, I'm Brad Wales with Transition to RIA, where I help you understand everything there is to know about why and how to transition to the RIA model. Uh, If you're not already there, if you head on over to to TransitionToRIA.com, you can find all the resources I make available. Uh, This entire series is in video format, podcast format. I have articles, I have white papers, all kinds of things to help you better understand the RIA model and what it would mean for your practice. Again, TransitionToRIA.com. Okay, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to explain the RA model to clients. So where I get asked a lot about this is if uh, an advisor is talking to me, is looking at saying, hey, maybe, maybe it does make sense for me to transition my practice to the RA model. And, and, and of course, there's a whole process I go through with them of understanding how it works and and why it might be a fit for their practice. But the, the question is, okay, even if it's a fit for the advisor, you know, obviously, you, you also want it to be a fit for the client, which we're going to talk about in today's episode, But just as important, how do you articulate or how do you explain to the client why it is you've made this move from where you are now to this new RIA model, knowing the client probably doesn't even know what an RIA is to begin with. So that's what we're going to talk about in today's episode is, again, how to explain this to clients if you're both making that transition so you're explaining it for the first time, or once, if you're already an RIA and you're talking to prospective clients, a potential way to describe the uh, the arrangement is well for them. So it's, it it works in both cases, uh, and and the key here, right, is you can't use jargon that your clients not going to understand. So just as you're probably careful to not use too much investment jargon when you're trying to explain your your uh, your investment suggestions to the client, right? We have to be careful because as an industry, we have all kinds of jargon to describe the structure of an advisor's practice as well. So we have broker dealers, registered investment advisors, registered representatives, investment advisor representatives, all kinds of kind of mumbo jumbo that while we understand because we're in the industry, clients typically will not know what most or or all of that is. So the key is, okay, how can you explain it using the least amount of jargon possible uh, in, in a way, again, that they will they will appreciate. And so a thing I like doing is whenever I'm talking to advisors that have already transitioned into the RA model, uh, and to the degree it hasn't been so long that they maybe forget exactly how they explained it during that transition, I like to ask, hey, how did you explain it to your clients? Because then I can share that knowledge uh, with the advisors that I'm talking to and, and to be able to make an episode like this. So uh, I was recently talking to an advisor, and he gave me, and I asked him this, he was about two years uh, kind of over the jump and, and had become his own RA. Uh, and he gave one of the better answers I've I've heard of it or the most articulate way of saying it. So I wanted to, one, make an episode to to talk about this topic, share this specific verbiage. And then I also have some other examples I want to give you. Uh, of, of things that you can point out to clients of why it's in their best interest as well that you are making this move to the RIA model. So there's one particular advisor, and I have it in my notes here because I want to make sure I say it verbatim because I thought it was so good. I, I wrote it down immediately when he said it. So his answer to that, and I said, hey, how, how did you explain this to your clients? He said, uh, to provide truly unconflicted advice required separating the function of custody from who is given the advice. So basically, what, what he was saying is, hey, as long as I am at his prior situation, you know, at a and he wouldn't use the term wirehouse firm, but but effectively that's what he was, that's what he was describing because that's where he came from. The challenge was he was given advice, his firm was making revenue off of him for giving that advice and the payout, and the firm, because they're self-clearing makes revenue uh, as being the, the essentially the custodian on the assets. As an aside, if you haven't seen it, I've done an entire episode on how a custodian generates revenue. If you want to dive deeper into that topic, but the, the issue there that the advisor was pointing out is again, there's there's kind of two, if at a macro level, in that kind of wirehouse or, or a traditional broker dealer model where it's a self clearing firm, the, the challenge is uh, it's conflicted because there's are, are you given advice that is completely. Separate from the investment solutions that are being implemented, or is there potentially pressure, whether direct or implicit, uh, from the firm of how you should, what advice you should give, and what investment solutions you should give? So, again, what I'm referring to here is if an advisor at a large self clearing firm uh, charges, say, 1% to the client, obviously the advisor is going to make their, their portion of the payout, but so is the firm. So, the firm's going to retain that portion. However, the firm is also because if it's self-clear and essentially is acting as their own custodian, is uh, generating revenue based on what investment solutions are used. So whether it might be the type of uh, third-party money management, or it might be how cash is invested, or, or or different ways that a custodian generates revenue, that they could again directly either by limiting choice that the advisor of what the advisor can use or implicit by, by essentially pointing out that we oh, we want to use these mutual funds more than more than others. And it turns out with well, the firm, maybe somehow makes more revenue from that and some sort of revenue share uh, back from the mutual fund company. And so there's this, uh, that self-clearing firm is making revenue from that side as well. So even if an advisor wants to be as ethical as possible in that situation, again, there's still this either direct or implicit Ah, uh, pressure from the firm, either because they've excluded certain investment solutions or limited it to that matter, or again, just uh, direct or indirect pressure to use certain products. So the advisors point out, hey, uh, client, to make sure there's none of that, no direct, no implicit, no, no pressure of all. I needed to. I felt I needed to completely essentially extract myself from that. So, I have now my own RA, I give you advice, I charge the same, you know, 1%. And and yes, we are using a custodian, but I do not have any affiliation at all with that custodian. And yes, a custodian will still generate revenue, but because they have no, the custodian has no control over that advisor and the advice they give. Uh, or or try to uh, it would it would be inappropriate for a custodian to try to suggest what investment solutions should be used. so so by separating those two, he can truly give unconflicted advice. And again, I thought that was a very articulate way to explain it to clients. Obviously, I've kind of uh, uh, furthered the 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 definition, but but again, I'll say it again just because I think it's uh, so helpful. He said, to provide truly unconflicted advice. Required, separating the function of custody from who is given the advice, and so I, th- I think that was uh, again very very well articulated. It, it does still require you perhaps explain an RIA, and and that's what your new kind of structure is. It does require that you explain what a custodian is, but but again you would you would have to be doing that under any circumstances or however you're describing the practice. So hey, at least we're gonna we're gonna cover those two definitions, but then explain exactly why that's important and why it's important to separate the two. So uh, food for thought on that. I thought that was very helpful. Uh, but I also wanted to share a couple other examples here on this episode of, of the advantages for the client to follow you into the RA model and, and to be able for you to be able to articulate those and explain those. Uh, now, the remaining ones, I don't have them. They're not as as, as nice of a soundbite as the one I just described. Uh, perhaps you can can massage it and come up with a good way to say it. Uh, but I did want to go down just a, a list of additional things here that you can be using to, to explain it to clients. Uh, and at the same time, I would tell you, I'm going to dive into these, I'm going to give you more examples, but don't uh, overthink this. If you are going to make a move into the RA model, and I've seen this and there's, oh, there's concern uh, naturally, oh, hey, are my my clients going to follow me? And, and, and that's a whole conversation to itself. And, and the thought is, oh, I, I, I need to almost give them a sales pitch of why this is better. And, and the reality is m- most clients don't really care too much about some of these details or, or, or whatnot. They want to work with you. They've built that trusted relationship with you. So if you're going from here to here, oftentimes the clients will just, sure, yeah, whatever, send me the paperwork and, and we'll, we'll take care of whatever you need. Um, some maybe want a little bit more of an explanation or just to understand it better. You don't have to overdo it. You don't have to give an eight-point bulleted explanation of why you're doing it. One, because it could just confuse clients. Two, oftentimes they don't care. They they just want to continue to work with you. And three, you don't want to give them some impression that that, that they should be uh, thinking twice about. Wow, should I do this? Why why is he or she giving me some eight-point explanation when it's entirely unnecessary? So please use what I'm about to explain for the good. But don't overdo it. Don't don't uh, oversell something that, that, quite frankly, doesn't need any selling at all. It's just you explaining your next path. And, and if you have good relationships with your clients, they're going to want to follow you regardless. So with that kind of disclaimer, just a couple extra thoughts here. So uh, at a broader level, in that RIA model, model you typically always have access so a much broader set of investment solutions and services you can offer your clients than if you're at a more traditional uh, wirehouse firm, brokerage firm, whatever we want to call it. Uh, typically, that RE model has a much broader access to solutions. So examples of what I'm talking about with that. Uh, the first is uh, additional mutual funds or ETFs availability. Uh a, a typical, we'll just pick on wirehouses uh, in, in this episode, be, so I don't have to keep repeating all the different iterations. So, a wirehouse, uh, just like any broker-dealer arrangement, uh, can limit what uh, mutual funds or ETFs are available on their platform. Sometimes, blatantly without much, uh, I think, legitimate explanation. I know of one large firm that won't allow Vanguard mutual funds, and, and whether you're a Vanguard. Uh, fan or not. I think you can at least accept that's a pretty mainstream product and they don't allow it. And they come up with some word salad explanation for why they don't allow it. But the reality is because they're not getting revenue share back from Vanguard. So they they don't want their advisors to use it, which again, it goes right back to my original explanation of this, of that conflicted advice of your the custodian, the self-clearing firm limited a mainstream fund family out there for for uh, revenue reasons, so absolutely creates a conflict. Uh, but in the in the RA space, they because again it's it's separate. The custodian has no incentive to limit uh, what's available. If anything, they want to they want to provide the the widest range of uh, solutions because their their custodian competitors are doing it. So they have to make that available. So it's not to say every last mutual fund and every last ETF is available on a custodian because there's some logistics involved with it. Uh, but the reality is that generally always is a broader set of mutual funds and ETFs available in that RA custodian relationship than there is in that typical, uh, again, wirehouse arrangement. Uh, another example of that is access to alternative investment. So while yes, the large wirehouse firms have built out pretty robust alternative investment uh, offerings of say, hey, here's all the here's all the products or the investment solutions we make available to advisors, and we think these are great. The reality is they still limit that down from the broad universe of what's actually available out there, because in in part for maybe revenue purposes, some pay better than others uh, for supervisory reasons, because they have a responsibility to, quote unquote, supervise their registered reps that are at the firm. And so they say, hey, as opposed to maybe hundreds of options, we're going to narrow that scope down to 60, 70, 80 options, whatever the case is. So if you're in the RIA space, and there's particularly some very robust third-party alternative platforms. You can now access these solutions from. Uh, it's generally much broader selection and of availability uh, in that alternative investment space in the RIA model. Um, another example on that is just uh, availability and access to lending solutions. So if you are at a large wirehouse firm and your client wants to do a non-purpose loan or a margin loan, or whatever the case is, you typically. Only have one choice. You go to the firm and you say that, like a margin loan or non-purpose loan or other cases. What what rate can we can we get for the client? And it's basically take it or leave it. Whether you like the rate, whether the client likes the rate, you only have one option available to you if in that warehouse ar- arrangement. If you're in the RA model, particularly if you become multi-custodial sidebar done episodes on why you might want to be multi custodial at some point, you could potentially go to more than one custodian to try to get a margin rate or, or non purpose loan. Uh, and then there's even some third party solutions that you could potentially access and still use the assets as collateral uh, for lending Again, a so broader set of lending options available uh, that you could potentially access on behalf of your clients, uh, then and then then the traditional wirehouse model. Um, uh additional managed money solutions so same thing kind of like with alternatives uh most wirehouse firms of of the kind have gone out there and they do make uh sma separately managed account managers they have a platform and they say hey here's the couple dozen whatever the cases of of managers that we've gone out and of course they they hey we've we've carefully curated this list and we think these are the best of the best and and, and there's no doubt that they highlight and identify some very good money managers but the reality is the, uh, the total number of money manager solutions out there is much bigger than the curated list that they have decided on. And again, they have a supervisory responsibility, among other things, to, to, to supervise or advise what they're using. It's much easier for them to supervise their 10,000 plus advisors. If they only let them use this smaller subset of money managers because they have to stay on top of the money managers, whereas if they had hundreds of available, it's harder for them to do their job. So again, they limit it down. They give, again, some word salad explanation about how we've curated this wonderful list on behalf of the advisor. No, it's it's primarily for supervisory reasons as to why they've narrowed that down. Over in the RA space, you typically, through different mechanisms, can access the full spectrum of solutions that are out there, which is... Generally, hundreds of solutions if you wanted it. I'm not saying you necessarily need hundreds of solutions to choose from, but just know the availability is generally much broader of, of third party money management solutions in the RA model than, than elsewhere. Uh, and then the same thing for things like trust providers or insurance solutions. If you're at a, a wirehouse firm, you, you generally have to use their captive solution, maybe a corporate trustee or whatever the case is in the RA model. A lot of solutions you can go out for to provide again trust services or a different way to access insurance products if you wanted to do that. And again, you can go out on the marketplace. You can can work with whichever provider you want that you've done your due diligence on and that that you like using. When you're in that captive environment, again, you, you are required to use only what they make available to you. So again, a much bigger difference. And again, these are all benefits to the client. The more availability of solutions you have to provide the client, the better it is for the client. Again, it's just you articulating this, explaining that to them. Uh, so moving on from kind of investment solutions and, and services, um, an, another big example in the RIA space is you have a much better ability to uh, adapt new technology, not only adapted but adapted much quicker in that or at, at a faster pace in the RA space. Um, and, and that will enable you why that's important for your clients is to pr- provide them possibly more services and, and certainly in a more efficient manner. So whether that means you can provide them uh, things uh, more responsive to them or uh, maybe presented uh, performance reporting data in a better format than, than you're otherwise able to. And, and so in that RA space, again, you have the entire universe of solutions available to you. And you can go out there, and you don't have to ask anyone's permission to use whatever you want. Now, there's some, you know, integration things, and you might want to make sure if okay, if I add this tool, that it's going to integrate back with maybe my custodian. But, but to the degree the logistics work, you don't have to ask anyone's permission. You can just use that tool. And, and to give you perspective, there are dozens and dozens of fintech solutions out there that are not available for use at the wirehouses or the traditional broker-dealer firms uh, because either. The wirehouse hasn't got around to maybe doing their due diligence on it, which, by the way, that is a very long process at the enterprise level to get something like that added, or they just don't want to again supervise too many solutions being used by their advisors. So the technology you have available to you in that wirehouse world is significantly less than what is available to you out there in the in the fintech universe. So a huge difference, and again, there's a lot of benefits to clients just the the services you could potentially provide with that technology. The more efficiency you can do it in both for your own practice and how quickly you can turn around to answers and things like that for clients. Um, and two just kind of interesting examples, uh, for those that have been to my website, I'm a big fan of, of little things like a, a Calendly, a scheduling application. It makes it super easy to schedule time to, to, to talk to someone. Uh, if you go to my website, transition com, you will see that's how I have people schedule time to talk with me. It is very efficient for both parties. The simple things like Calendly, and, and there's other there's other uh, competitors to them that have been around for years and years, a lot uh, of of wireless firms and, and traditional board firms still don't make that very basic technology available for their advisors to use, or it's some convoluted proprietary thing they've tried to build out. And so you might have to go back and forth, or your assistant might have to go back and forth with a, a client or a prospective client trying to arrange calendars. When we live in a world where someone could just click on a link, instantly see available times at their own leisure, at after hours, whenever they want to pick the time, pick a time and book it. And and it's super simple. And yet that's not available to most advisors at these large firms if their firms have not adopted it. Again, in the RA space, much broader access and availability to that sort of thing. Uh, And then one other thing, and this just came up, uh, I saw this earlier this week, I won't name the firm to try to protect the guilty. But I thought it was a a wonderful example. Uh, And this was one of the large wirehouse firms. So you could do the math of had to be one of one of four firms I'm referring to here. And they just rolled out with some fanfare, this wonderful new tool they have to help their advisors make videos that they can share with their clients and prospective clients. Obviously, I'm a big believer in videos. If you're watching this in video format, I've been making videos for years now. I have them on YouTube, I have them on the website. By the way, YouTube's been around. I looked it up, I think it was something like 17 years now. So, online video has been around uh, extensively long time. And this One Wireless firm is just now excited to announce they have made it possible for their advisors to make videos to share with clients and prospective clients. I thought, wow, they finally got on board, you know, 17 years after YouTube came along. Uh, but by the way, I jumped in the details. It's not only it do they just now get around to it, it's also very limited. It's, uh, I think it was something like, each video can be no more than 60 seconds long. Uh, they, the advisor has to choose from a pre-set list of scripts that you have to read the script. And then there's some sort of application. I don't know if it's done on a phone or a computer screen or however. And literally as the advisor, you have to read a teleprompter to make sure you don't go off script in your 60 second canned commentary video that you are going to share with your advisors and I'm sorry, your clients and prospective clients. And somehow with fanfare, this is being announced as if some great new tool. And the reality is in the RE space Forget the 60 seconds, forget the teleprompter, forget the script. You can do whatever you want. You can make videos. You can make them as long as you want, short as you want. You don't have to read from a script. You don't have to get an approved script. Uh, and so it's it's crazy. I know I'm ranting about this, but just being a believer in videos myself, that a wirehouse advisor that potentially has decades of experience has been, has working with clients for decades. They know what they're talking about. It's yet told. If you want to make a video, it has to be no more than sixty seconds. You have to read a script from a teleprompter. And by the way, we've written the script for you. Uh, I think that's I think that's crazy. And then to attempt to announce that as if this is some wonderful new thing. Now, in their defense, it's crazy. It is. I think that that is a step ahead. Some of their other wirehouse competitors, what they allow. So that that is a step ahead, but light years away from the RA model. So again, a big difference technology between. What you can offer your clients now, and what you can offer in the RA space, worth pointing out to them, and then a couple final, just few few things here to wrap up. Uh, oftentimes, there can be uh, lesser expensive mutual fund share classes in the RA space uh, than in the traditional wirehouse broker dealer format. There's different reasons a wirehouse might limit availability of certain share classes, sometimes institutional share classes. Uh, because they have some conflicts that they're not really wanting to admit to, but it generates more revenue for them. Where in the RA space, you typically have access to all kinds of institutional share classes, again, from the custodian. And again, it's separated. So yes, the custodian wants to generate revenue, but you as the advisor can say, hey, I want to use the lowest cost share class possible with my client. You have have more availability to do that in the RA space than you do in the broker-dealer space. So again, a, a talking point to share with clients. Uh, and then the last, the last two items are just, uh, and I've talked about this before on a different episode, is is you have more flexibility with the fees you can charge your clients. So uh, typically in that large setting, that large warehouse setting, you might only be able to do an AUM fee, maybe some sort of flat planning fee. In the RAA space, you have tremendous flexibility. You can do an AUM fee, you can do an hourly fee, you can do a flat fee, retainer, subscription, whatever you want to do. And yes, there's some disclosures on uh, the ADV and some logistics, but if it's available, uh, uh, one of those options, and it's a good fit for you and the client and the service offering you're going to provide that client, you absolutely can do it. Uh, whereas at a typical wirehouse type firm, you're generally much more limited. So, again, a talking point with clients hey, by making this move, I now have the ability to more customize my fee schedule of how I can work with you. Again, to the degree you want to have that conversation, it is available to you. Uh, And then the final thing is just to, and this is not an exhaustive list, but again, these are just a a number of items, is, hey, by making this move to the RA model, I can now expand my service offerings. So what I mean by that, and, and by the way, not all advisors might even want to do this, but the availability is there to say, hey, I am going to now be able to offer maybe insurance services you with know, broader, a broader availability. Uh, maybe you can do tax plan, and that's a big one. Whether it's a CPA and they want to actually provide specific tax advice, you can do that as an RA. Or maybe even want to work on being a, a mortgage broker as part of your sor- service offering. It's all possible to do within the confines of kind of a structure around the RA. Typically, in that broker-dealer world, you're much more limited in what you can do in that regard. Uh, so I hope this has been helpful. Again, this is just an example of Talking points, you can explain your client of why you have made the move to the RA model and why they don't necessarily care why it's better for you as the advisor, because again, they just want your services and and, and the the value you provide, but you want to be able to articulate why it's better for the client as well. So uh, you you could think through all the different items I've listed here, whether you want to use that original nice kind of soundbite or you want to kind of wordsmith some of these other items into a soundbite. Again, don't overthink it. Don't think you have to give this eight bulleted list that I've I've now given on this episode. The reason I've done all this is to help you kind of pick and choose maybe the topics you think are most important. Uh, but the, but the value and the the there is value in the client being with you under an RA relationship versus that traditional firm. It's your job to articulate it to the client so they understand why you're doing this and how it benefits them. Uh, so with that. Like I said, my name is Brad Wales with Transition to RIA. Uh, this is the kind of conversation I have with advisors all day long. Uh, I love asking this question about, hey, how did you explain it to clients? I'll keep asking the question, uh, and like I said, I want to make an episode to kind of pass along some of some of the the, the feedback I've heard, and, and maybe I'll eventually do another episode if I hear more interesting sound bites to share with you. Um, but it is it's very important to to consider. The, uh, I talk the majority of these episodes are talking about how moving to the RIA model benefits you as the advisor. It's equally important to talk about how it benefits the client as well and how you will articulate to the to, articulate those benefits to the client. So with that, I hope you found value in today's episode uh, of, of supply and all these points. Uh, and if you wanna learn more, again, head to transitiontoria.com Uh, You can find, again, the whole series in video format, podcast format of articles, white papers. uh, And the simplest thing to do, the the easiest thing to do is at the top of every page is a contact link. If you click on that, you can instantly and easily schedule time to have a one-on-one conversation uh, with me to talk about today's episode, talk about how the RE model would benefit you as the advisor or benefit your clients or if there's anything else RIA related you would like to discuss, I'm happy to have that conversation with you. Again, head to to TransitionToRIA.com. And with that, I hope you found value in today's episode and I'll see you on the next one.